So we had originally intended to box the UTMB and CCC men's preview into one episode. I think we just had too much fun and went on too many tangents in the UTMB episode that we made a real time decision to to put a cap on that one and to create a standalone CCC episode, which I think is a good call. Thank you, Brett. Yeah, similar to the UTMB episode, I think we'll cover the demands of the course, any interesting storylines, obviously the depths of the field, our predictions, how the American contingent might fare. Brett, where do you want to start? You're welcome, sponsors, for (laughs) doubling the amount of episodes and therefore potential ad reads by your boy, Finn Melanson. Yeah, thank you, Brooks. Kodiak cakes, pillar. I'm just kidding. Yeah, they'll get way more official. <laughs> but we also just didn't want uh, it's it's a long episode to do UTMB and CCC. Yeah. We didn't think it would be as long of an episode, but then once we started talking about UTMB and we kept going, going, we're to, like, oh, yeah. dude, we should probably like give at least someone like because that's a long that's a long run to go on to For listen sure. to UTMB and CCC. So we're giving people at least a chance to hit a pause and know exactly where CCC starts now because it starts at the beginning of this episode. This is the men's CCC preview. Yep. Yeah. And I think, uh, similar to other, you know, content creators and other sports, it's pretty normal to have a daily talk show. And maybe what we'll do is like, we'll release UTMB on the 26th CCC on the 27th women's UTMB on the 28th women's CCC on the 29th, just have like a, a couple days stretch of, of content. But yeah, this this race is interesting. I think similar to UTMB being the world championships, the de facto world championships for the 100-mile mountain distance, CCC deserves the same description, the same banner for the 100K it's category. It's turning into that. And you know, we talked in the UTMB episode about how nine of the top 10 men were returning to that race. Similarly, in this race, six of the top 10 men are returning, which I think just shows how important this race is. And of those four that aren't returning, a few of them just graduated up to UTMB. So they're still staying in the atmosphere, staying in the orbit of the UTMB World Series. What do you have to say to that? I think uh, CCC for a number of years was always kind of thought of as like the stepping stone to UTMB. Um you know, it, it hasn't been as competitive for as long as UTMB, but I feel like in the last few years, it's really come to its own race where it's like winning CCC is very much a very big deal. I think last year it probably came to light the most with the women's CCC being like, like I think the, the debate would be what was more competitive, like the men's UTMB or the women's CCC. Like those were probably the two most competitive races across the entire UTMB week. And that kind of really just put a stamp on like CCC is, you know, it's, it's legit. It's here to stay. Like it's its own championship as well. And we're now seeing that there are so many good ultra runners in the world that like they're not even watering each other down yeah like even all of these names that are on the my, my list for ccc like they would make utmb more exciting but like you keep all these people and just throw them in another race now i have two very exciting races to watch <laughs> and they are different enough like we had said in the utmb episode one takes 10 hours the other takes 20 that's very different that's two completely different skill sets Two completely different race styles. 
I would argue that CCC, in addition to the women's race, the men's race has undergone the most amount of change. Like we've really seen new paradigms about this race in the last five to seven years. It wasn't long ago where, you know, Zach Miller could win this race running it in 12 hours. And I know that there are certain things that that hinges on weather, course conditions, maybe slight reroutes here and there, but we've gotten to a point in a seven year stretch where the winning time from a very capable, talented athlete has gone from 12 hours to now a couple minutes under 10 hours, which is an incredible mm-hmm. Delta to me. And I think it shows that, yeah, at least in, 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 in all of the UTMB races, there's a lot of innovation and, uh, limits being broken, particularly in this race, similar to OCC, you know, the CCC talking about the course for a second, it takes up a part of the UTMB course. It starts in Cormier and it is really, I would say most notably, uh, it factors in just the meat grinder portion of the UTMB course. You start in Cormier, you have that massive, it's like a four or 5,000 foot climb up to Tete de la Tranche. You have another big climb up to Grand Colferay, a massive descent into or around Champé Lac. And then you have those three successive, you know, steep two, 3,000 foot meat grinder climbs, La Guillette, Les Sepes, and Col de Montet before dropping into Chamonix. So it's just a compressed version of UTMB in terms of like the, the long climb descent into those short climb, short descent. So similar demands, just compressed. What are your thoughts on the course? This UTMB coverage is brought to you by Oladance, wireless Bluetooth headphones delivering 19 hours of battery life, superior sound, the ability to still safely hear your surroundings, and an open ear design so you can wear them for long periods of time without developing ear pain. If you're interested, head over to oladance.com forward slash ST and use code ST at checkout for $30 off their OWS2 headphones. Also, thanks to Pillar Performance, a sports micronutrition company that I was introduced to after having Sam Parsons from Tin Man Elite on the show a while back. I use their pineapple coconut flavored triple magnesium product, which delivers high potency magnesium glycinate for better sleep and added recovery during my training blocks. If you're an American-based listener, head over to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and use code SINGLETRACK in all caps for 15% off your order. For international listeners, that same code and that same discount will work at a different URL. Go to pillarperformance.shop. And finally, thanks to Kodiak Cakes, makers of my favorite pancake mix. It doesn't just taste great. It's also 100% whole grain and packed with 14 grams of protein per serving that helps with recovery. Go over to their website, get yourself a few boxes of the mix, and in the process, use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. With that, let's get back to the show. Yeah, so it's interesting how you kind of get, I mean, yeah, you get a, a, a miniature UTMB, but it requires a whole different skill set. In the UTMB episode, we had talked about how when to hike, when to run, chances are you should probably just hike because you can win UTMB logging a huge amount of hours of hiking. I don't know if that's the case for CCC. I think CCC is short enough where, yes, there is a good amount of hiking, but there's a lot of spots too where if you're on the fence and you want to win the race, you better try and run some of those steps. Yeah. And you have to be, you definitely have to be in a mountain more aggressive on all your descending as well. 
you not even factoring in GAP, you have to average faster than six minute or sorry, 10 minute per mile pace to win this race, which I find fascinating. Which that is hauling ass. Hauling on ass. These downhills, hauling on these downhills. Like, hauling ace on this course. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you have to, yeah, you got to risk those ankles a little bit, um, <sighs> especially on potentially a wet course as well. Um, yep which we could very well see this year. The one thing that CCC has going for it that's a little bit more familiar to our uh, American audience is it's a 9 a.m. start. I mean, even that's still a late start compared to most American races, but it starts in the morning and the top of the field will finish in the evening. They just race through the day. So they get to see the whole course when it's light out, which would be pretty fun coming from some folks who have run UTMB. You now get to see a good chunk of this course that you only ever ran at night, which, which definitely, you know, that changes the element. The trails look completely different at night than during the day. Um, kind of going back a little bit to the increase in competitiveness to CCC. This is, um, you know, a trend that we're starting to see pretty much those who are doing like the double, like the Western States UTMB double is always like Western States and UTMB. We're seeing a lot of like Western States CCC. We saw it on the women's side a lot last year. We see it on the men's side. We saw a little bit on the men's side last year. We're seeing it on this year as well. We're also seeing CCC not just be a stepping stone. Like, oh, they're running CCC because they're moving up in distance. They're not ready for the 100 mile yet. We're seeing a lot of people who are like, quote unquote, 100 mile veterans who have run some very impressive hundred miles who are just doing CCC for the sake of racing CCC because it's a good race. Yep. And I think that is how a race becomes its own where it's not just seen as the you stepping know, stone, a stepping stone where, cause like, I mean, yeah, like we'll go into the preview. Like we've got Dakota Jones, like he's Dakota's a veteran of the sport uh, across pretty much any distance. And like, you know, ran hard rock, an amazing hard rock last year, like just ran Western States, blew the doors off of Havelina. Like, why isn't Dakota running UTMB? He ran hard rock so well last year. It's like, well, he wants to run CCC because it's a good race. Um, you know, Shen, uh, Josh Shang, our boy Shen, fourth at Western States. Why isn't he running CCC? It's like, dude, or why isn't he running UTMB? It's like, because he wants to run CCC. It's a good race. Like he's yeah. dropping down from Western States to CCC. David Laney is running CCC. You know, this is his like fifth or sixth time at UTMB and he's finally not doing UTMB. He wants to go try a different race. Like we're seeing that. And I think that's a little bit new to this race is this level of veteran experience to this distance. Well said. And I think for me, one of the interesting storylines of this race is how well some of these traditionally UTMB minded hundred mile mountain running specialists make that transition down to the hundred K event, especially given that, like you said, it is its own entity. Now it is taken extremely seriously. There are people that if they aren't already specialists in that distance, they are beginning to specialize in that course. Uh, we're really seeing these discrete, you know, categories of athletes who are just taking each of these events, OCC, CCC, UTMB seriously, very fascinating. Like with David Laney, for example, you know, what does that transition look like? Is it successful? Mm -hmm. Does he find out that actually this is the race for him? Does he find out that, you know, okay, let's actually go back to UTMB. I don't know, but that just makes it so interesting. 
Yeah. Really, really good observation. Yeah. And then, and then we also do still have a whole bunch of like bubble people where, you know, this hundred K distance is kind of right in the middle. It's like, oh yeah. You know, like we've got like Drew Holman has proven himself at, you know, like Western States, like 16 hour race. Like that's longer than CCC. Also, you know, just had an amazing Lake Sonoma 50 mile. It's seven hours, 645, quite a bit short in CCC. Like this kind of weds those two distances and puts it kind of right in the middle. Um, there's a handful of runners like Drew that are in that boat as well. And then as, as usual, we have some wild cards as well. But um, before we go into the previews, like let's, I don't know, we should probably give some fun stats of, you know, I've got some notes written down for like how to win this race, how to podium, how to top 10. In terms of those stats, I mean, I, I guess I could, I could lead us off. You know, if you want to talk about where this race is most often won, it's prior to Champagne Lock, which is the halfway point of the race. This is, this is how Hayden Hawks did it a couple of years back. This is how Petter did it last year. You know, in other years, you know, Zach Miller, when he won, as I referenced back in 2015, he did it after Triant. Tom Evans, when he won it, and Xavier, when, when, when he won it, it was after Valorcine, kind of down to the wire. But when you think about how to win this race and how to be in contention, again, uh, referencing our friend uh, Liam Aid Station Fireball's data, you got to be close. You, you know, you want to be within three minutes of the race leader at Champagne Lock, which is mile 33 if you want to have a shot at winning. 12 minutes if you want to have a shot at podium, 34 minutes if you want to have a shot at top 10. At Triant, mile 44, you're still in that two to three minute window if you want to be winning. 16 minutes to podium, 48 minutes respectively for the win. So except for sort of that that top 10 aspiration, you, there really is very little room for error and you really have to be in the thick of things almost from the start in this race if you're looking to win or to podium, which as... I think we will talk about with some of our, our top contenders here. Most folks have that aspiration. I found it interesting that the majority of winning moves for CCC were in like the first half of the race. I whereas know. the winning moves for UTMV happened a little bit later than that. Usually as the race gets shorter, you stay packed up longer and then the winning move gets made later. I wonder if we're going to see that trend change as CCC gets more competitive and we kind of have to throw out some of the earlier years that I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see where, where this changes. Cause that yeah. kind of goes against what I would have thought. Do you think it's just a factor or a consequence of, you know, one or two athletes making a move and people early on not having the courage to, to match it or thinking the race is going to fall back to them. So they stay back or yeah. What, what do you attribute it to? What do you, what do you like? Yeah. What do you hypothesize? I think part of it is a couple people going off the front and never coming back due to the lack of depth in the fields and mm. the people that can do it. You know, five years ago, CCC might only have two people like that, you know, like, you know, like we'll use like Zach Miller and Tim Tolson, for example. Yeah. They might've just been like, the two best people in that race. Whereas this year, now there's 12 Zach Millers and Tim Tollefson's um, where now, if you have two people that want to break away from that group, you got to be like a Jim Walmsley and Killian Jornet. Does that person exist in this field? Maybe actually, <laughs> but I think that's why I think the winning move is going to start being made later in CCC because 
everyone's just too good. They're going to be able to cover all the moves. So that makes, so are you, are you essentially saying that in order to judge the quote unquote maturity of a race from a competitive standpoint, as a race gets more mature, we should see more and more races one in the really the latter stages. So with they CCC, should be, we're, okay. Yeah. They should be less dominated unless you have that one generational athlete. I mean, where we're seeing that is like the marathon, like in the world marathon majors, unless you're Eliud Kipchoge and just blowing it out at 30 K many of these marathons now are coming down to the last mile because everyone's in 204 shape or 202 shape. You then have to have the legs on that last little bit. And like, it, it pisses a lot of people off. I think it's really exciting that like the marathon is quote unquote, a kicker's race anymore, but it's like, who can kick off a hot pace before there used to be no such thing as kicking off a hot pace. Now there is, I think maybe that as these races get more competitive, like you just can't shake people early because everyone's that good. If you try and break someone halfway through, you're going to break yourself. So you have to just wait and wait and wait, and then hope that you're able to make the last move. You know, one of my coaches said like, he who leads last always wins. <laughs> I think that's a really good uh, comparison to the marathon as well. And uh, yeah. Should we get into the the athletes that we're excited about? Like, did you make any, I know with you, Timby, you made a, re, you made a really cool set of categories for how you were thinking about cohorts of athletes. Did you do something similar for CCC or should we just kind of riff off of, uh, um, names we see that the, we're the main about? one was like, like you had said that six of the top 10 are returning. Um, and I, I, I missed a few, but like, so we have second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And then I think we have eighth as well because uh, Aritz or Aritz is back as well. He was ninth. Yeah, we've got uh, ninth. Okay, so we got Andrew, Simone, yeah. Americ, Aritz. Uh, we've got Shen Jean uh, Shang, Andre, John Albin. It's either five or six. I'll have to go back. I'll, I'll, um, yeah, I've got it pretty well written. So Jonathan Albin, second yeah. at CCC last year. Yeah. Uh, Andreas Reiterer. Uh, third. was third at CCC. Shen yeah. Sheng was fourth. Fourth. Peter Frano from Peter Slovakia Frano. Yep. was fifth. Yep. Uh, Andreu Imerich yep. was sixth. And then Eretz. And then Eretz was, I have ninth written down. Okay, ninth. All right. But that that's all six people. That's six. Okay, I so six. So. Okay. Yep. So that was my returners. What notes do I have written down? So, I have for Jonathan Albin, like probably would be considered the favorite going into this race. Um, I feel like he's his training and like his career has been under a lot of scrutiny in terms of just like people are like really like they put him under a microscope in terms of like he is the next him, you know, um, <laughs> capital H, capital I, capital M. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure with that being said third at Zagama, fifth at Worlds for the short trail, second at CCC last year. I got I wrote down, I got to look at the 2022 results, but I wrote down to me, it doesn't seem like he's in quite the same form as 2022. 
his his training is also super interesting too. Like just what he puts up on Strava and all the pictures and stuff looks like one of those athletes that is very scientific with the training and like does this amount of vert for this reason, probably has the blood glucose monitor and does the lactate <laughs> testing and like does every single hill, hill rep on that one ridge in Norway. Probably just yep. trying to for him and Killian are probably just going back and forth on the local legend of it. But um <laughs> it's interestingly it's wild how vert heavy Jonathan Alvin's training is for a race like CCC. Like no doubt CCC has a lot of vert, but the amount of vert that he gets for his miles that he runs, you'd think he's training for like Barkley or something. I know. I know. I mean, there is there are people out there who have the the philosophy that you should, in order to prepare for a specific race, you should t- train on terrain that is more difficult and demanding than the demands of the course. I, and I don't know how well-founded that is, but maybe from a uh, perceived effort standpoint, it helps. And so maybe in the case of CCC, John's thought process is, hey, you know, what's a, what's a, what's a third 3,000-foot climb, you know, at the, in the back half of CCC when, you know, I'm regularly climbing, 10k on a, on a single day in training i think it makes a lot of sense i mean when you train for a marathon you're going to do workouts at faster than marathon pace you're also going to do stuff at slower than marathon pace if the hardest thing you ever do from a course standpoint is the course you're racing on yeah your perceived effort of it isn't going to be very easy so you know some of the workouts that i've seen jonathan alban put on strava are going to make a lot of the hardest climbs at CCC seem pretty tame, which from a mental standpoint, that's, that's gotta be helpful. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's had uh, he has a really good YouTube channel too. Um, we can, I'll, if I can remember, I'll link to it in the show notes and on Instagram too, he's been a bit self-reflective this year and sort of existential about why he's out there. You talked about sort of the, the him pressure and just like being mm-hmm. sort of the next Killian or in that category. He does train out of Ramsdal, Norway. He's in that cohort of like the Killians and the Petters who will do schemo and some running stuff together. And, you know, in the same way that like San Francisco is the hub of the tech scene and, you know, New York is the financial center and DC is the political center. It's like Ramsdal, you could argue has some of the greatest athletes in the endurance, ultra endurance world, you know, all together working. So I don't know. He's, he's definitely in that orbit I mean, he ran ten sixteen at CCC last year, which in almost any that other wins year every other wins year. every yeah. other year. But you know, Petter of course ran nine fifty three. So what what do you do? Like, and I I, yeah. I actually got a chance to watch that race in real time. I saw John and Petter and Shen and Andres all come through Triant, all come mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. uh because we were we were crewing uh, and pay, uh, crewing Caleb Olson, who was the top American. Everybody was working hard. In fact, you know, I saw Petter come through. I saw John come through. I thought John was, you know, from a visual standpoint, the the stronger of the looking two. So it was inspiring to see Mm. Petter still do what he did. When I, I really thought if I was a betting person at Triant that uh, John was going to overtake. Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that too. Just like Petter moving up in distance from a win at OCC the year before, and it's like, well, how could he possibly just win OCC and then win CCC? Yeah, but then he did. Uh, so yeah, we listed off the returners. There's also this is a big reunion from both the Austria Worlds and Thailand Worlds. There's a lot of people who competed at Worlds who are running CCC. Andreas Ryder was second place 
at Worlds in June in the long trail race. Third at Transvolcania in May. Yep. Nothing on Strava. So all he's only as good as his last race result, and his last race result was very good. So, sure. Peter Frano. <laughs> Peter Frano was third at Worlds in Austria, eighth at Worlds in Thailand, fifth at CCC uh, last year. Nothing on Strava since a 50K on August 5th. Has he gone dark or did he get hurt? Is the ultimate question. Yeah. That is the ultimate question. But I like the trend of racing of like eighth at Worlds, third at Worlds. Worlds in Austria this year was was fire. So clearly fit. Got to be fit for that. Artiz uh, Egea from Spain. Um, he was the one. He had a blip at Worlds in Austria, 37th at the long trail because he was fifth at Thailand. But then got third at the Valderan 50K in July. So potentially yep. a good bounce back. Drew Holman, fifth at the world's long course in Austria. First at Lake Sonoma 50 in April. Third at Ultra Trail Cape Town, November. Fifth at Western States in 2022. The dude doesn't miss. You know, the biggest questions that we had was before Worlds was like, can Drew run European mountains? Because Ultra Trail Cape Town still pretty runnable of a course like if you run well at western states you're probably pretty decent chance at ultra trail cape town sonoma we kind of saw that coming and then worlds we were like can drew run mountains the yes he can the the scary exciting thing about drew is he has never not met a new threshold or you know a new realm you know a new stepped up realm of competition every 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 single time the bar has been raised or like you said being introduced to the european mountains he's been asked to replicate that standard in a new environment he's done it and Mm -hmm. i think because he's so mentally tough i'm i'm scary excited to see what places he'll go to in his mind to make his legs work to get a similar typical Drew Holman, you know, top 10, top five podium type result. Like I think yeah. of this field, the big differentiator with Drew, cause he's a, he's a great athlete. Like make no mistake. Drew Holman is a great athlete, but I think that he has one of the best minds in this race. And he's so strategic about when he turns things on. I know Eric LaPuma was saying like, part of my strategy at worlds was to follow Drew because Drew is a master tactitioner when it comes to protecting effort gauging where to hold back, where to push when it's time to just like, you know, without looking back, turning it on to the finish. So he's a gamer, he's clutch, he's dependable. Mm -hmm. You know, if there was betting in ultra running, it's even, even I'm not dumb enough to bet against Drew Holman. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I guess we'll give two things. He's not putting everything on Strava though. He is not, there's, I don't, I do not believe he's putting everything on Strava. If that's the case, he's only run four times in the last month. He's not putting everything on Strava. I am still in the boat of Drew Holman has never put everything on Strava and that his claims of 50 mile weeks are a load of baloney. (laughs) Sandbagger. Drew's running probably 500 miles a week. Baloney. Baloney. He runs with the Boulder boys. They would not let him only run 50 miles a week. Right. Right. Um, another person who ran worlds, Mr. Clutch, Eric LaPuma. Also, uh, he did just finally announce his signing with Adidas Terex. Yep. 
on the 23rd of August. So congratulations to Eric LaPuma. That was a long time coming for sure. Seventh at the last two world championships. Like if that's not clutch running, I don't know what is. Question is, well, can Eric LaPuma channel his inner team strength for CCC? I think yes. And this is why he's finally on a team now. Yeah. He's signed by, you know, he runs for Adidas. He is on a team. He can channel that team mindset. He can look down and see that like, he's like, I didn't choose to wear this singlet. I had to wear this singlet because I'm on this team. And for him, that's a good thing. I trust Eric LaPuma as much as I trust Amazon. They're both going to deliver every single time. Eric has been metronomic in his training the last nine to 10 weeks. He's held like it's looked so good. It's looked, you know, he's held like whatever, 14 to 17 hours time on feet, really great distribution of miles to vert appropriate for the course. One thing interesting about Eric, and maybe you can speak to this more because you just have obviously more experience here. He has not given up a lot of these turnover type workouts in the process of getting ready for a mountain race. And I find that fascinating. What What are your thoughts there? I think Eric understands the importance of still having good running economy. Yeah. Um, that's very much what it is. It's like when you run faster, your body is forced into a more economical gait. Yeah. And sometimes running lots of mountains, some people lose that. And those, those, the, the gait just gets lazy. The cadence starts to get slow. Eric probably understands the importance of just doing that little tune-up flat workout every once in a while. It also keeps it keeps the legs loaded. Like it keeps you kind of springy. Like if I don't do a fart like every once in a while, I start to feel just sluggish. And I, I actually, when I stop doing flat workouts, I lose my ability to run uphill mm. well. Because there's just, yeah, there's something that you get from doing a flat workout. And I bet Eric understands that because he's a pretty smart dude. And, you know, to each their own, everyone figures out what kind of works best for them. But yeah, I really like Eric's training. Love that he's got a got a full kit on now and he gets to go, you know, go race for the stripes. He's raced for the stars and stripes. I guess he just dropped the stars. We'll see how he does. Yeah, that's I think that's I don't know if that's everyone from worlds, but that was a lot of the top yeah. worlds people. Yep. And then yeah, and then we've got and then there's just a handful of other like people who are very good who you know, should be talked about, you know, like Dakota Jones, he didn't run worlds. He ran Western States, but like he won Transvolcania. Dakota, I mean, yeah, it's, it would be too, it would take too long to list all the things that like Dakota's won, but he's proven like he can win most things. Like my question is like, what's Dakota's best distance or course type? I know. And I, you know, I wish, I also wish that Dakota worked a bit more with the figurative garage door open. I wish we had a more consistent peek into his training the same way. I wish we had a peek more into Drew Holman stuff. Like there's a reason why it's so fascinating to see, to reverse engineer what it takes for someone like Eric LaPuma to be as successful as he is. I wish we could see exactly what Dakota's doing in training. Just talking with him pre-race, I, th- I think he's a hard worker. There's no question. I, you know, he's, he's doing yeah. the footprint stuff. He's got other balls in the air in terms of responsibilities, but he finds a way I think to put in really massive weeks. And, you know, I would not put him in like the Zach Miller category of production, but like, I would not be surprised if Dakota has been running like consecutive 
high teens, even some low 20 hour time on feet weeks in prep for this race in terms of best distance, maybe fifth. I mean, I still think he's got a ton of leg speed. Like you, you just see that gate that we saw at Javelina. I think in these races that require like an eight to 12 hour sprint, my money's on Dakota. I think he's really well, as long as he still has that mental resolve to go deep and to go into the pain cave and to suffer in these races, it's hard. It's going to be hard to bet against him at this race too. Yeah, I agree. I think this distance is probably closer to the top end of like his like perfect window of race course. Like I think Transvolcania is like probably on the shorter end. It's like Transvolcania to CCC something in the middle is like just right Yeah, uh, for it. Um, but I think this is very much one of the ones that's like well within his pocket in terms of what Dakota Jones is best at. Uh, cause Dakota's, I mean, Dakota's a really good descender he um, is. and he's Dakota's also really good at running up pretty steep Hills. I think you have to be pretty good at both of those things to win this race. Um, the other thing is Dakota isn't Dakota's not scared of anybody. Like Dakota tried to drop Francois and Killian last year at Hard Rock. If you try to do that, you're not scared of anyone. So no. it doesn't matter how fast the leaders go out. I am fully confident that Dakota just goes with the the leaders, no matter what. To that point, he remember he he told the live stream at Western States right around Michigan Bluff or Forest Hill that he was actively trying to yes. drop Tom Evans. So he's also willing to publicly state intentions about the competition too, which is cool. Yeah, he's he's yeah. so fun to watch. I bet er, er, way too early prediction. I bet we see Dakota Jones in the lead and making his winning move over the top of Grand Colt Foray about thirty kilometers into the race. I bet because that that climb up to the grand Col is very steep it's like 2600 feet and three miles i bet he blasts it puts a gap on people and then tries to just run you know the whole grand Col and put distance on everyone will he win i don't know but i think we see dakota jones over grand Col first i love that prediction i want to say one more thing you can agree with it disagree with it I, there's a lot of talented Americans in this race. I, I love Drew. I love Eric. They are the cream of the crop. I think that Dakota is the best pure American runner in this race. And if we're talking about the overall win or overall podium chances, I believe that if Dakota is on, he is our best shot to win or podium at this race among the American contingent. I think as of right now, in terms of careers and just biggest wins, Dakota has the most decorated resume of all the Americans in this race. Dakota's won some some biggies in his day. Yeah, I like I like his chances perhaps the most of any of the Americans to win this race. I think he's also got the lowest floor. I think the delta between how high his ceiling is and how low his floor is for this race is the largest of also of any of these Americans. Like I would argue that like, uh, you know, maybe Eric and drew have the most tightly compressed floor to ceiling of potential at this race. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't think Eric and drew's worst day is as possibly low as Dakota's only because Dakota is such, such a, such a gamer in like the risk taking department. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm using it for all these YouTube viewers. I've got like my hands sort of like clamped. I'm trying to create these like spectrums as I'm describing it all. <laughs> Dakota's willing. He's willing to show up or blow up perhaps more. Yeah. Then I would say that well, put. Eric LaPuma. Yeah. I'm also very excited to see Shen Jusheng race CCC this year. I mean, his Western States was pretty magical this year. I mean, he went out pretty aggressive Seemed like he was blowing up, picked up Patty O'Leary as a pacer, and then just started raging again. And like from from uh, no hands bridge to the finish, he was flying. He was running so fast and like looked great, and literally went from Auburn to Europe, and has been there ever since training for this race. Yeah, like. He's been in Europe the entire time since Western States and has just been putting out, I mean, again, we were, we talked about his training before Western States and how like everything he was doing, like all of his focus runs were like at Walmsley's course record paces. He's been doing that again for CCC. Yeah. And I think we're going to see fireworks from him too. It's going to be good. Should we talk about just like other, other American notable American runners in this contingent that, could could play a role maybe in the overall top 10 like maybe yeah. starting with Laney like just you know you coach Laney you're great friends with him he's left his traditional home at UTMB he's testing the waters at CCC what can you mm-hmm. without you know giving away the the secret sauce what can you say about like his his outlook for this race so one thing that i actually didn't really realize until now which is actually somewhat rare across anyone at UTMB very rare across the Americans UTMB David has started four UTMBs and finished four UTMBs. That's incredible. David doesn't drop out of races. He's not afraid to walk it in and just like suffer. I mean, granted his worst UTMB finish was like 40th place. That's not really like blowing up and suffering that bad. Cause I think he's got a third, a fourth, uh, like 12th or 17th and then a 40 that's a pretty good resume of racing at UTMB. David switched to CCC because he finally wants to see that part of the course in the daytime. Like that's pretty much it. He's like, dude, I want to see this part of the course in the day. I always run it at night. So let's just try something different. And like David's had two good, I mean, fourth, seventh at black Canyon, hundred K and fourth at the canyons, hundred K David's like getting hundred K dialed. But both of those races, he was like, dude, it was too short. I needed it to be 20 more miles long, 20 miles longer, or like 40 miles longer. He just needed the race to be a little bit longer, a little bit harder because he just ran out of room. So this 100K is going to help because it's going to add a few more hours. I think the biggest questions with David, David's a really good hiker, which is what has been like one of his strong suits at UTMB. There's going to be a lot of sections of this course that he's like able, he's used to just default hiking because it's utmb he has to make sure to not fall back into that habit of like utmb pace he's got to make sure to stay a little bit more aggressive but i have a feeling it'll probably still be like i think david will probably start out a little bit more conservative and probably eat up people over the course of the whole race how many people he catches before the end is really going to be the big question mark because um I mean, David's actually made a lot of his training since he flew to Europe a couple of weeks ago public. David's been running a lot. He's been running a lot with him and Ida, and he's pretty fit. Um, the biggest question will just be like, 
the a, a slight amount more of aggression that you need for CCC will you have that. This UTMB coverage is also brought to you by Brooks. I first started using their products, especially the Cascadia 8, way back in 2014 during a thru-hike of the Appalachian Trail. Fast forward to 2023, and they have a new and improved Cascadia 17 shoe and a high-point clothing collection that merges great performance and style. Check it all out over at brooksrunning.com forward slash singletrack. Also, thanks to Morton, I've been using their hydrogels and 225C bars and caffeine drink mixes during all my key training runs and races this summer. It's sports nutrition made with all natural ingredients that go down easy and minimize palate fatigue so you can trust them during your longest efforts. Keep in mind, these are the same products used by top athletes like Tom Evans and Killian Jornet, so head over to Morton.com to take a look at what they got and try some yourself. Finally, thanks to Features, makers of my favorite trail running socks. They're durable, they're comfortable, and they're stylish. And again, these are also trusted by many of the best athletes in our sport. If you'd like to give them a try, head over to their website, grab a few pairs, and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout for 20% off your next order. With that, let's get back to the show. There's one name, and so there's there's a pretty, in addition to David, there's a, there's a pretty interesting supplemental American contingent here. You know, Justin Grunewald, who had an impressive Canyons 100K, you know, victim beat, to... Beat Laney at Canyons. Beat, beat Laney at Canyons. John Ray, who I think... Johnny sky Ray? Is the, Johnny Ray. Sky's the limit for this guy. I think there was a questionable long run pre-Western States that might have left him tired. That's just my speculation. But he's so yeah. talented. Stephen Kirsch, who would have been top American here last year if it wasn't for a one Caleb Olson... Uh, the guy that I want just to put a spotlight on to the extent that we exalt pure volume on this show in monster weeks, uh, this guy actually gives Zach Miller a run for his money. His name is Zach Gardner, G-A-R-N-E-R. He's from the Provo, Utah area. He's had a couple top fives at Speedgoat over the years. With in the, in the week before race week, he did 93 miles, 45,000 feet of climbing, 31 hours time on feet. And he's stepped down from, you know, similar ratios, 35 to 40 hours a week. He's an absolute monster, absolute monster. So I don't know how this is going to translate. And he's also been in Europe the last like month, like training in the French Alps, not necessarily like right on the course. This could be the guy from the American contingent that could do something really interesting. Rich Lockwood is racing. Rich as well. He's Rich has really come into his own, you know, this last year. I mean, one run rabbit champ from 2022. Um, the doy entered on by UTMB hundred K December um of last year. He got second, and that's run what rabbit. ultimately punched his yeah. ticket. The only question mark is he says he fell on the trail a couple weeks ago and bruised some ribs, which like you don't run well with bruised ribs. So like his training probably took a big hit. Like so he probably missed some time in some key weeks leading up to leading up to this race so that's like yeah that's that's a question mark another person who i thought you were going to bring up but then you started talking about like 140 mile weeks and i was like this isn't quite <laughs> that matt seidel yeah is running ccc he's had a sneaky good year just consistent like i'm sure hasn't like i'm sure he really wants to jump up to that next level because he's been like in that in the mix for broken arrow 46k canyons 50k lake sonoma 50 mile Black Canyon, 100K, a lot of races, but this training block before CCC these past few months has been bigger and more consistent than any of those races. So I think he's ready to pop off a 
better one and potentially bridge that gap up to the next level that he's really made a push for this year. So that might be my like sleeper pick of someone to watch out for is um, Matt Seidel. I like that mention. And yeah, I think, you know, one of the interesting, if you look at like the history of all these races, UTMB, CCC, et cetera, there have been years where, you know, household names, familiar names have, you know, there's just been a massive attrition in that category and you've seen lesser known, but equally or close to talented type runners pick up the pieces and, you know, become the top American or one of the top Americans. I think my favorite example is 2019 when Chris Hams was the top American at UTMB. Our buddy Caleb was that top American at CCC last year. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, someone like Matt Seidel could, could play that role, you know, depending on, on the factors and the conditions this, uh, this coming week. One more name that I left out because I had them in my favorites category and not just my other Americans category. So I kind of like skipped through Seth ruling. Yeah. Seth's a baller. Like Seth's had Seth's kind of a hot and cold racer. And you were telling me right before we started recording that he had like a, he had to stop running for a bit because of a heart problem. Um, I didn't realize that because his training recently has been great. Um, you know, he's either been getting awesome running in with like Matt Daniels, who's running UTMB, um, Drew Holman, yep. you know, over in Boulder, he's been getting training with those. He also got in a large chunk of training with Zach Miller up in Silverton. Yeah. Um, I think Rod Farvard was also running up in Silverton with them. Shouts to Rod running UTMB. Shout out. But yeah. Seth, Seth started out this year pretty hot. You know, he, he ran UTMB Puerto Vallarta in October of 2022 and got third, gained his entry to CCC there, got second at Chuckanut in March to Adam Mary, right? Yeah. It was Adam Mary who won Chuckanut because uh, he passed Seth. Seth was leading for the longest time. And then Seth dropped at Lake Sonoma, but like has shown that his ceiling for racing is pretty high. This will be his first like UTMB type championship race, first race in Chamonix. So I'm really curious to see which Seth shows up because if the good Seth shows up and you know, he's, he gets to run with one of his training partners being Drew Holman. So that's going to bring some comfort there. If the good Seth shows up, I mean, he, he could be in the mix just as well. This UTMB coverage is brought to you by Oladance, wireless Bluetooth headphones which deliver 19 hours of battery life, superior sound, the ability to still safely hear your surroundings, and an open ear design so you can wear them for a long time without ear pain. If you're interested, head over to oladance.com forward slash ST and use code ST at checkout for $30 off their OWS2 headphones. Also, thanks to Pillar Performance, a sports micronutrition company that I was introduced to after having Sam Parsons from Tin Man Elite on the show a while back. I use their pineapple coconut flavored triple magnesium product, which delivers high potency magnesium glycinate for better sleep and added recovery during my training blocks. If you're an American-based listener, head over to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and use code SINGLETRACK in all caps for 15% off your order. For international listeners, the same code gives you the same discount. Just go to pillarperformance.shop instead. Finally, thanks to Kodiak Cakes, makers of my favorite pancake mix. It doesn't just taste great. It's also 100% whole grain and packed with 14 grams of protein per serving that helps with recovery. 
Go over to their website, get yourself a few boxes of the mix, and in the process, use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. With that, let's get to the show. Yeah, and you know, I think Seth has, from what I understand, has a bit of that like Dakota Jones DNA in him in the sense that he's he's not intimidated. I think anytime he's lining up for a race, he believes he belongs right at the front of that start line, has the confidence to run with anybody. So yeah, and I, and I love it when people actively seek out the most beneficial high leverage training environments and okay maybe you know he didn't spend all summer over in Chamonix getting ready for this race but like to go seek out Zach Miller and to run with him in Silverton Rod those guys like tip Mm -hmm. of the cap so cool like he you know that tells you you know it speaks for itself that you know he's serious about this race he's you know looking to get in the best fitness and uh yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at his UTMB profile here. Like you mentioned, the Port of Air race, one broken arrow, the 52K back in 2021. I remember talking with Anthony Costales from the 2022 Black Canyon 100K where Seth got sixth. And when mm-hmm. Anthony passed him, he was like, man, like Seth looked like he was like on the side of the trail, like done. And, you know, was able, was able to rally back and get sixth. And, you know, that's that's not going to be like a headline story, but like he has that sort of like Jim Walmsley ability in him to resurrect and, and still like make something of an otherwise tough day. And then, yeah, he has that European experience too. He won the maxi race, which I think is in France last. Yeah. That's a pretty May. big deal. It is. So I don't know tip that he'll be, he'll be exciting too. I definitely don't want to overlook him. Um, how about predictions? You want to, you want to go through like what your predictions are for total Americans in the top 10 and then your overall top five. Yeah. Why don't you go first? Cause I had to go first last time. All right. I think we see four Americans in the top 10. I've got Dakota, Eric, Drew, and Laney in my top overall top 10. Top five, I've got Peter Frano in fifth. We didn't mention him earlier, but Thibaut Baronian, who's had a lot of success here in the past, in fourth. Um, one thing interesting about Thibaut is, and some other guys have done this too, is just how much prep they do on the Solomon Golden Trail World Series to get ready to like get Mm, speed mm -hmm. in, to get leg speed in, in preparation for this race. He's done a lot of that. Um, I've got John Albin in third. I've got Dakota Jones in second. And then I've got Andreas Reiterer winning the race. Okay. Dakota, Dakota on the overall podium, sort of restoring, you know, some American prominence into that, into that podium category. He was your only American in the top five. Only American in the top five. And then, yeah, I do so think- So then there's going to be three others in the six through 10 spot. Three others in six through 10. And I see, I predict that Eric and Drew continue where they left off at Worlds and they work together for the vast majority, if not entirety of this race. And then I just think you have a veteran, David Laney, who just gets onto the top 10 by virtue of making a lot less mistakes than other people around him combined with, you know, him just being a straight up good runner and hard worker and training and just knowing this area more than most in, in the, in the, uh, in the field. I think those are, those are good picks. Those are good picks. That's, we have more in common than our UTMB picks. Cause we couldn't have had like less, <laughs> we couldn't have had less in common for UTMB picks. But, um, so I, I've, I said three Americans in the top 10 and it was actually like, your same ones, but just minus one. And I hate I hate having to subtract one from yours. So like you had Dakota, Eric LaPuma, Drew Holm, and David Laney. I'm keeping 
Dakota, Drew, and Laney. Wow. Okay. And that's not because I think like Eric is falling off. I think it's because like, you know, I think it's like the Drew and Laney. I think they're like ninth and 10th. So then like Mm. Eric might be 11th. Like I think Drew's probably like, I don't say, I wouldn't want to say he's fading, but like, he's just like been in it, but like, haven't quite gone to move up. I think David runs himself into the top 10 off of like the last descent. Okay. Cause like every hundred K David's done this year, his last mile has been like six minutes. So mm. I don't want to be racing that person at the end of CCC. I think it's, and I, I think, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. I think for listeners and viewers, it's important to emphasize that to not be in the top 10 in this race is no disrespect. When you're at the level of UTMB, CCC, UTMB, OCC, it's, it's really more like, like top 25. Our top American last year was outside of the top 10. Outside of the top 10. Yeah. And that was still a big deal. Huge deal. And it was an amazing run. Yeah. So maybe our picks of three and four Americans in the top 10 are egregious, but that's what we're here for. Fifth overall, (laughs) fifth overall, I've got Peter Frano, which I think is what you said. Check. Um, Fourth overall, I have your winner, Andreas Reiterer. Okay. Third, I have Dakota Jones. Okay. Second, Jonathan Albon. And then first, your boy, Shen Jiaxiang. Nice. It's I, hard to argue I think he's, that. Dude, I think he's going to win because he just, I think he learned something about himself in the training to Western States and now to do it again in the training to CCTC, like just gets that that confidence going i mean he started working with jason cute leading up to western states i think they're still working together leading up to ccc like it's clearly working you know he's been in europe for so long he knows every inch of this course i think we see i think we see a fantastic western states ccc double out of shen there you have it um Cool. Well, uh, Brett, thanks as always for, for doing this preview. Excited to keep the ball rolling the rest of this week and uh, hope everyone out there is celebrating because in my opinion, it is the greatest time of the year in ultra trail running.